It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 42 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Craig Fitzpatrick is back in the house. Attila the Hand. Hello. Glad to be back. I'm sorry Miss missed last week. That's okay. You're forgiven It was for a it. really good episode, though, without me. <laughs> now I'm a bit kind of insecure and <laughs> nervous well, about this week. you gotta, you got you to bring your A game, and it's I appreciate that nickname. It's a very good one. You're, you know, you're back in the good books. Yeah. So, welcome Thanks. back. Colm O'Regan. What's up? My trusty steed. How are we? I, I always feel like that's a dig at me. <laughs> you always have something steed. Isn't a steed a horse? Oh, a horse. horse. Yeah. That works for you. Well, works Sounds better than my lovely horse as an <laughs> intro, though, in fairness. I, I feel he works with me. Uh, not, not, not for me. I'm, I'm not about that kind of thing. Uh, that voice there is the return of Kieran McGuinness from Delorentos. Welcome back. Woo! Am I getting a clap because I didn't get a clap the last time? And yes. I was all like, why yeah. didn't I get a clap? <laughs> yeah, we f- still feel bad about it. That's okay. Um, it's been delighted yeah. to be here, guys. <laughs> well, you're back for a big reason because uh, No Encore is expanding in in a way and. Essentially, Kieran, when he was on TXFM with his very, very good show, had an idea, but unfortunately TXFM went down. And you came to us Mm -hmm. and said, let's do this together, boys. I believe in you. You believe in me too. What am I talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, it's quite inspirational, the cha-cha. Well, essentially, listeners, you're going to get an extra episode of No Encore every fortnight. Uh, It'll go out on a Thursday, and it'll be centered around a very specific theme and topic. We're calling it The Revisit. And what the hell is it all about, Kieran? I guess the simple thing of saying, uh, the simple way to say it is that I wanted to kind of look back at Irish albums of the last, you know, 25, 30 years and I wanted to 
just you know bring you know bring them back into the modern sort of consciousness i suppose uh, if that makes sense for people who are interested a lot of people are interested in irish music but maybe they don't know what the you know what the interesting albums from 1986 was or whatever so basically what it is it's it's kind of the art of the album so we're going to go back through um i guess from about 1980 just for the moment um so that's 25 years it's 25 shows this year and we're going to look at the albums of each year and get relevant people in to talk about them and try and I don't. I don't. I don't want to kind of rate the the albums as much as I want to look at what's you know what they were trying to do, the art of them, what, what what's great about them, and then kind of make a kind of like a listener's guide, I suppose, to the Irish music of the time. And there's there's an enormous amount. We've done a couple of shows um, already. We're kind of we've got a couple um, ready to go after this, and we've got a couple that we've recorded, and some some kind of amazing uh, albums have come out of it. Um, some bedroom recordings that most of the panel hadn't heard of. Some very big albums that have been revisited and looked at. And then we just go through them. And then we, we um, at the end of each episode, we're going to talk to the people involved in the, the albums that we've decided to recommend. Um, and yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so but good work, fun work. Yeah, I think 1980, <coughs> 1985 was, twenty. I think, 22 albums that we could find that were released that year. And uh, 2002, uh, I think, was 46 albums, you know. So, obviously, it's it also um, shows the difference between, you know, the the rise of bedroom recording and independent mm-hmm, releases mm-hmm. and all the rest. So, yeah, it's it's something that's... I've something... I'm really... it's I'm really kind of excited about and uh, the feedback that we've been getting from people so far. And it's been been, really, yeah, really we, we've had some great guests already and, I mean, like, which has led to some great stories, some great anecdotes and lots of very interesting insight. I mean, like, we do... I mean, like, you know, you could kind of say that, you know, you don't want to be like, well, this is the only one you should listen to, whatever, but there is a ranking system of sorts so that we don't go through 46 albums in one episode. So we tend yeah. to come in with, like, a, a short list of about five and kind of yeah, so we'll, argue we'll, the merits thereof. Exactly. We're going to get a panel together and try and mix it up between people who are, like, buying records at at the time and people who have you know weren't alive at the time and people you know if you're doing 1985 you know having someone born in 1990 that's talking about albums from them it's you know it's, it's going to be a lot of the albums are going to be new albums and also it's amazing to go back and listen to kind of classic albums but actually listen to them with the kind of a you know with the I guess with the experience of you know all the albums that it has influenced but listen to it on its own so it's 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 exciting. So then we go. We spend a couple of weeks then before every episode, like really delving into the albums and getting to know them, and then we make up a short list depending on you know what people think. So it's it's straightforward enough, I guess. But it's 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 going to be exciting. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. And the first episode will be out this week on Thursday, and from then on, fortnightly frequency is the plan. And uh, yeah, it, it has been really interesting. It's been quite kind of surprising in some regards. Uh, Colum, you've recorded an episode. I have indeed. Uh, it's a different slant of no encore, but still, uh, I'd say we're they all the same. Absolutely, and in the spirit of kind of revisiting and, and providing a listener's guide later on in this show, we'll be uh, following up on a lot of the David Bowie tributes that we've seen in the past week or so since the anniversary of his death and what would have been his birthday, with a sort of a guide to what you should be checking out of his career. So uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah, and it's fitting that we're kind of looking at Irish albums at the moment or even talking about them there because big news this week. Massive, massive news. It's an announcement we've been waiting for for a very long time. The Choice Music Prize is coming back as it does. It's a yearly institution. And the big shocker, the biggest excitement of all is, of course... Colin O'Regan is on the judging panel. I think shocker is definitely the word to be using there, isn't there? Should we do it? Woo! 
Yeah. Yes. Congratulations. All that hard work oh, paid off. <laughs> so did you did you know that he was on the judging panel? Yes. Yeah, we're oh, sworn to secrecy. Yeah. Okay. The truth is we actually had to move our no encore live, which if you missed the announcement last week is coming up on March the second. Uh, we were pondering March the ninth and then we had to move it. Mm-hmm. Workman's Club, March the second, tickets on sale soon with further details to come, but mark that down in your calendars. But on March 9th, you'll be a very busy boy indeed. You'll be sequestered away with other judges. Mm-hmm, yeah, so. How do you feel, Colm? I mean, do you think you will be the best judge of the year? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do I get to judge that? I don't know. Who's going <laughs> to judge that so. competition? I think everyone will be kind of subtly judging that. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Without a doubt. Well, it's an interesting table because, Craig, you're a former judge. I am, indeed. I believe it was the year you won it. Kira. Oh, really? Yes, it was, indeed. Tellerant um, has former winners. Very strong year That's as well. well future, really... future winners, I like to think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just waiting for you. For, former winners is a little bit reductive. <laughs> you're coming back for your belt. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I actually really enjoyed it, and it's interesting. A lot of journalists in the past have kind of given out about the process, and there's a lot of kind of, you know, is it a big conspiracy or something? But I just found it a really interesting kind of, open exchange of people that were really passionate about music. It was a good evening and I think, you know, again, it's a bit, when you boil it down, ridiculous to be rating albums like that. There's so much good stuff coming out but essentially you want to reward something that's fitting and just kind of give it a platform and I guess every album that's nominated gets a bit more spotlight which is the main aim. Well, as absolutely. Well. I mean, the the, the nominated list, um, if I may be so bold to say, it's it's. I think it's a, a really good list this mm. year. Um, apart from I heard Colm's choices, which were very <laughs> poor, but um, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I think it's a great list. Um, with all of these things, you know, when you're talking about end of year lists, you want to believe <laughs> that it's the best albums that are nominated, and it isn't yeah. because because ten people have to make you know make their lists. What can happen is that the average of everyone's list end up, you know, <laughs> everyone's sixth choice gets in, whereas not everyone's first choice or whatever, you know, because yeah, it's yeah, that committee yeah, sure. thing. It has it's to be that committee a, yeah. thing. And so I think that's always a little bit difficult. From your point of view, though, I mean, like when they're about to announce the winner, were you, like, uh, were you, were you kind of like, I think we might win this. I hope we win this. Like, no, I mean, or no, was there it's any? actually really bad. Um, what ended up happening was, um, like, you know, on the night, it is, uh, like, we've been nominated three times for the, for the album and, I think twice for the song. So, like, we've been nominated a few times. We know what it's like, and we've been nominated for stuff, stuff as well. To be honest, and it does sound cheesy, but you are. D- I'm delighted that we're nominated because it's a really good thing. You get a bit of focus back on the album. You know, people talking about it, and you know, people discover it. Like, um, like I like out of this list, as soon as all the albums came out, like I'd obviously known all the albums, but I went back and listened to them all again and gave them all a proper listen, um, and some that I already heard. I was like, yeah, I think that's right. And then some others I was, I really kind of delved into. Like, I hadn't listened to the Wallace Bird one. I think it's great, you know. Mm-hmm. I hadn't listened to the Casey Kim one, you know, and that was the first time I'd heard that. So, like, it's it's kind of, you know, that's what that's what it's for. You would hope that people go and they say, what is being recommended by, I guess, you know, the tastemakers that have been chosen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you trust that the people have spent a lot of time listening to the albums and you know it's it's an honest opinion and so that's what you want that's what you want the Irish output from that year to be kind of represented by it's the other it's a good list it's the other thing that I've seen you know in the days since it was announced that like a lot of people have sort of voiced you know oh I would like to see X, Y, and Z being nominated, but nobody's really saying who they'd take out of the list. Yeah, to make exactly. yeah, 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 it's the yeah. nature of kind of having it limited to ten. We know from having discussions when we were making end of year lists, it's like you know, do we make it twenty five? Do we make it thirty? And it's like, yeah. well, someone's always going to be number twenty six or number thirty one. I think this year that the next ten though of the like you know every year, oh, I, yeah. I try and do I try and do an alternative list and I'll do a Spotify playlist or something. Um, 
And this year, I think genuinely some of the albums that didn't get in, I think, like, is by Bleeding Heart Pigeons. You know, right, right, is okay. a fantastic album, and it's one of my favorite albums of the year. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually disappointed it didn't get on this, this list. Um, and I would take Column out to put put them in, men <laughs> <laughs> putting them in the judging panel. I would do that. But you know, Bellex One album is one of their best albums, mm-hmm. and that, that I think I think it's I think it's a real shame that they didn't get in. You know, yeah. you could go down you could go down the line. Yeah, I mean, I think Roisin Murphy will prob- that was probably that was quite a surprise. Yeah, it was quite yeah. a surprise. Yeah, next I, to see that I think um, Funeral Suits <clears throat> would have been a shout to get in there. Obviously, the Gloaming had a very successful second I was album. Surprised that they didn't get into the, um, because the Gloaming is like, you know when that was in the last. And it made a lot of sense because just before you even listen to the album, some people will just look at the like the the truth is that when people are deciding, and I, I'm not saying that you did it, but when people are are going, which is my favorite album of the year, mm. when it comes to the end of November, you haven't listened to the 245 albums in the course, list. Of course, yeah. So what you're doing is you're choosing the albums to listen to, and I and what people do is that, you know because you just don't physically have the time to do everything. So what you do is you choose the albums yeah. to listen to. You know. Well, let's go through this year's list. Uh, okay. Should we read it out in one list form, or should we... Let's go. Let's go, okay. Uh, in alphabetical order, All Twins, with their self-title record, despite the <laughs> I.I. Let it go, Dave. <laughs> uh, Bantam, friend of the show, Rory Lynch, is up there for Move. Uh, we have Wallace Bird, as mentioned. Friend of the show. Also friend <laughs> of the show, with Home, The Divine Comedy, Foreverland, Lisa Hannigan at Swim, Katie Kim, Salt, James Vince McMorrow, We Move, Overhead the Albatross, Learning to Grow, Bruce and Gunner Family, Let the Dead, Bury the Dead, and Weaker Corners, The Cadences of Others. It's funny when you mentioned... That wasn't alphabetical, I'm sorry. <laughs> you mentioned kind of picking out. <laughs> was that it was, it was absolutely alphabetical. No, I think no, I read it in the wrong order. No, 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 you're good. Okay, we'll you got a perfect man, don't worry. Um, you were trying by Wallace, kind of, but it was Bird, so you're grand. Yeah. And Hannigan coming before Katie Kim. This is great radio, isn't it? <laughs> Incredible, tell you what. <laughs> Listeners. We're going we're gonna to start organising our DVD rack in a second. <laughs> When you mentioned kind of picking out albums from the years, one thing that I was really heartened by on this shortlist is that the amount of variety. It doesn't sound like something where, you know, people were kind of picking and choosing oh, no, specific no. albums that they'd want to listen to. Um, it's going to be one of the challenges of actually separating it for me as well, because even if, you know, like you take a couple of these albums where Roots and Gano Family are probably some of the best lyricists, you know, that are out there right now in Ireland. But, but, they're, they're, next to, but they're next to Overhead the Albatross, who don't have lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so the actual, it's, it's apples and oranges in some cases, and yeah. This is, be interesting. this is tremendous uh, giving nothing away here, Colin. I'm enjoying this. I know, this. yeah. This it's pulling punches to Quite the, max, the hot seat it? that you're in right now. Uh, well, I can give my opinions, seeing as I'm not on the panel. So I'll say that uh, I don't think All Twins should be there. I think it's a mediocre record. I think Bantam is well deserved. Gosh. I mean, like, pretty much I think everything here, pretty much everything deserves to be here, I think. I mean, like, there was some kind of. I, I would like to see windings in there, but uh, yeah. I mean, again, I, I had a long list, much like I'm sure you did, Kier. Mm. And I found it really hard to get down to 10. I kind of was like, well, here's what I think will be rocks. <coughs> and for the most part, they kind of panned out. Surprised there wasn't a bit more kind of mainstream representation with the likes of Walking on Cars. But again, I don't think they would have deserved to be there. Ditto, the Riptide Movement and Hermitage Green. So yeah, I think for the most part, and I've seen some people kind of say it's a boring list, which I do not agree with whatsoever. Craig? I feel like Cullum's not going to give it to Overhead because they can't rap, which I think is upsetting. <laughs> uh, that would be my pick. Obviously, I'm not on the panel because they haven't asked me back. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a pretty strong list. I mean, I agree that probably All Twins wouldn't be there for me. James Vincent McMorrow, again, a, a nice enough record, but didn't really do it for me. That's just based on kind of our reviews from kind of throughout the year, myself and yourself, Dave. Uh, Russ and Gano family might be a shout for me, just in terms of if you're putting some money on it, but I, I really don't know. They seem to be the favourite. Yeah. And I think my favourite um, is, 
either not that you know I think that they're all wonderful and many of them I probably <laughs> all have lovely bottoms I texted when they got nominated so I have to be very careful but I will say that um, uh, uh, they're all very good again but I think Overhead the Albatross while all the rest of them are also good yeah. of the same level I think Overhead the Albatross is the one that it's I like it's just a stunning kind of piece yeah. of work really isn't I just it? think it's, yeah. it's just like there's a couple of them on I think Lots of one thing I noticed about them was a lot of them have their own atmosphere. If you know what I mean, it's mm. like like Katie Kim is is a big kind of um, doomy kind of dark record that y- you are in from the start. Like the first track, I think it's called Ghosts. It's just like you know you're straight in there into that kind of world. Um, and as well for Lisa Hannigan, like Lisa Hannigan's album just sounds like you can hear the room it was recorded in or something. The atmosphere yeah. is terrific. The on atmosphere that record, is yeah. amazing. You know. Um, and then you go through them all. I think Wallace Bird. I think she, I think it's her best album. I it's gorgeous. It's, it is, yeah. And her really voice is, is fantastic. It's, it's really, absolutely really brilliant. Really, really strong. Great um, record. Very underrated. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you can go through the rest. I think Divine Comedy is doing exactly what he does best on that. I think James Vincent McMorrow has, like, as a bit of a, as a you know a minor studio nerd. Yeah, and, the, and the pantheon of people who are studio nerds. I'm not anywhere near those, but I am a bit of a studio nerd. And then the production on is just excellent the production on All Twins is excellent as well the only thing I'd f- maybe say about All Twins um, like has some of the absolute just absolute bangers on it like some brilliant radio singles you know they, but they're all radio singles you know they're all really kind of upbeat yeah. poppy and it maybe doesn't have some of the light and shade that some of the other albums do mm-hmm. um, and Weaker Corners is, is as I said uh, I think I think you're a fan of the Weaker Corner. Oh, I think it's terrific, and and they're terrific lads as well. I am like, as well. Sorry, but it's, it's, also, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, it's, it's we like, all are. <laughs> it should be said. I'd be delighted. Yeah, their third nomination as well. I believe. I'd love to see them win it. I'd love to see Overhead the Albatross Boys up there. I, I think Rissingana Family are terrific as well. I mean, like it's there's not really anybody here apart from Altwins uh, who I'd be like <laughs> um, like uh, disappointed if I saw them win it. And uh, it's going to be fascinating. And Cullum, you got your work cut out for you. I think. Well, you just said that you're not going to be angry if any of them win it. So, frankly, I can do no wrong. I'm good. Uh, do you think you're going to, um, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you. I have been googling the. If, will I fight them? Is what you're asking? No, I, mean, no, I have been I googling mean, them physically. Like, yeah, I mean, like Paddy McKenney is a little guy. Dan Hegarty's pretty skinny. I reckon I could take him. A little oh, guy. I think Dan would take you. But anyway. Dan Hegarty's on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No. I Dan Hegarty would beat the crap out of you, man. <laughs> he's <laughs> got that wiry thing yeah, going. Yeah. That guy's got range, and he get nasty. I think. Yeah. I mean, he's a nice bloke, but I'd say in a street fight. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mess. Or boardroom fight, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How I have my confidence. Anyway, Craig, how did you, who do you think would win in the fight? Sorry, who do you oh, think is the strongest? Is this what we're doing now? Of the judging panel. Yeah. <laughs> I think Colin would would hold his own for sure. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. You got like a rugby background, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is true. Yeah. And he was a boy soprano. So that, like, like, I don't know if that, that helps anything. <laughs> he might like, famously <laughs> he was a boy soprano. <laughs> So I can deafen well, really somebody. Helps in MMA, how how you know how high you can <laughs> <laughs> Craig, take us uh, through the kind of the judging thing. I mean, like 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 how you know is it really lively? Like are are people kind of at those throats? Is there anyone who like who just won't back down? Like what's the well? It's I can't really speak to the last couple of years, and apparently our year there was quite a change in the process, which I won't really go into, just because in previous years there had been a lot of arguments and fallings out. Our group was very much, like, there was a lot of kind of, you know, debate and stuff, but it was fairly, you know, tame, and we all got along grand. But essentially it was people going around, it was going around the room, people talking about each album, kind of setting out their stall, and, like, every album was given a huge amount of time, and then they were boiled down, there was voting things, and we kind of got it down to a five and then a two, 
Um, and it was, yeah, it was hours of kind of just chat and trying to get something we're all happy with, but also it didn't seem, as as you said, kind of, you know, just, okay, we can just agree on this. It had to be, yeah. It, yeah. It, had to be it had to be unanimous, I think, before. And then it had to, then after that, it was a majority. Yeah, because okay, the yeah, thing about what happened, yeah. with, un, unan, unanimity, mm. is that a word? Yeah. 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 Nice. I look at Colin there, you see that? <laughs> now, he's, now he's the authority on things. Um, <laughs> the right honourable judge. <laughs> but, uh, so then it means that, People are so entrenched in their positions. They say, "Well, I'm not voting for that." So they ends up you, you have to end up going down the list to find one that everyone agrees with. Yeah, which is yeah. Kind of funny. You a know? bit more leeway seemed to really work. So hopefully they're still doing the same way. Okay, well that's uh, the 9th of March. I believe there'll be television coverage because Orti are spearheading it this year. I know mm-hmm. they've had partnerships in the past. So look out for me waving in the background. I guess <laughs> <laughs> we were on. Uh, we were on Orti. We we were part of the um, the launch on Orti on Wednesday. Yeah, I heard you. Yeah. Oh, thanks very much. Oh, you didn't say it in good. You just said I heard you. Yeah, <laughs> I said thanks very much. <laughs> dismissive, listening. Dismissive, dismissive tone of voice there. I heard you. Yeah. But uh, joking aside, um, th- we were on, and so we. I just before we before the list was announced, uh, I just tweeted a picture of us, and I said, um, I said, um, listening, uh, ready to go in the studio. Shush, like shh, you know, meaning like we're oh, sorry. I said about to record. Shush, like stop talking. We're yeah, about yeah. to record. Yeah. So then, lots of people were going like. You idiots! You know that hasn't been announced yet. You know, or obviously Delorant is obviously nominated. So those people <laughs> thought that I was—I like, had secretly like, and you know, and wrecked the announcement or whatever. But. Your non-existent album from last year was so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to go back to a previous album. Um, oh, the internet. So to wrap up, I guess I would ask you: uh, Should you find yourself as a victor once again in the future? Would you go full Conor McGregor with your speech and be like, you know, like? I'd like to thank. Absolutely, I have to apologise to absolutely nobody. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's no, all about good shit. It's all about decor. Actually, we didn't. Oh God, ours. Um, just before it happened, um, we heard uh, there was a rumor outside. As I said, it's kind of a tense night and whatever else, but it's kind of it's fun as well. Like, but you're hanging around with other people. Damien Dempsey and Wallace Burr were not nominated our year, and um, at the end, it was just a lot of drink backstage. At the end of the night, Wallace was carrying Damien Dempsey around the green room on her back, and I was like, "This is yeah, it's pretty crazy." But anyway, uh, what happened was we were down in the in the, in the, the side of the stage. And uh, a, a guy who knows a guy was in, and he was like, um, "No, sorry, you know, uh, it's not you." Like, and I, we were like, "Oh, that's fine, doesn't matter." And then, um, so uh, I said, Do "You know who it is?" And he said, "It's this other person that I knew." So I was like, "Sweet." So I went down and I got my camera, and uh, I had my camera pointed at the guy I thought was going to win, <laughs> and I was standing there at this, the camera on, on him. And then they announced us, and I was, everyone looked at me. And it looks amazing, it looked really weird. So I was like, "Oh shit!" So then we were ducked around. We didn't know what to say, and we just walked out. And Ro walked to the wrong podium. He walked to the fire podium, and I walked to the close one. And then I was like, "Come over here." Oh, I was just—I can't even remember. Did you? What I did said. you? Don't get a really good video of this his, chap. His heart breaking into no, yeah, I, the I, kind I, of losing, then the resigned applause. But I had taken a picture without the flash just to see what it looked like. So I have a picture just before of of you know it's. So, so did it look like you were just taking photos of the losers? Yeah. It's yeah. Just like, Check it out. <laughs> this is what your face is. When I'm you feeding on your disappointment. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. It was. Fun. Yeah, it probably looked weird. Uh, not the only news uh, to come out in the past week, as you two announced their Joshua Tree tour, including a date at Croke Park. Mm. Tickets went on sale uh, this morning, actually. So if you're listening to us at any time past 10 a.m. on Monday, yeah. they're probably sold out by now. I suspect so. Um, yeah, they also said, though, that their new album, which was the follow-up to Songs of Innocence, presumably Songs of Experience, um, is now on the back burner. It's been delayed uh, because of Trump's presidency. So, um, I mean, say what you will, at least one good thing has come out of it so far. <laughs> um, oh. 
I, like, what what do we make of it for a start, I guess? Complete but, nonsense. Yeah. It is ridiculous. I yeah. mean, Kieran, you've made records before. I don't, I, I, to be if, honest, there's no, like, unless it's the, every song is like, Obama is currently the president. <laughs> you know, like, you know, and that should, I don't understand why they would have to. I don't know. I don't know why you'd hold it back because it doesn't, it, it doesn't it, it matter. It certainly suggests they don't have a huge amount of faith in what they've produced thus far. If they're so easily just going, okay, you know, the current agenda has moved on, let's adjust. That's my main thing. Yeah, If they have a bundle of good songs ready to go on an album, I mean, yeah, why you'd put it on the shelf, I have no idea. I will say, though, when it, the, the higher up you get into um, the world of, you know, how much your release means to a label, how much the tour means to the release, how much money, how many people are tied in, the reasons for releasing albums change. You know, when you're a band who have recorded a great album, you want to get it out, you want people to listen to it. Mm. But when you're a band, and, and, and you two are an industry, you know, there are an enormous industry, and I imagine there is an enormous amount of stuff that is tied in, famously on pop, they they weren't ready. The album wasn't finished. They yeah. felt, but yeah. they had to get out and tour. Like so, I don't know whether it's because of Trump, but I you know there could be a million reasons. And I have a little bit of sympathy for them because I assume it's not easy. I think everything everything must be so planned for for their releases. So you know it might it might be a tricky tr- tricky time. I don't know. It does seem a very U two thing in terms of especially Bono trying to stay relevant and having the word on what's happening right now. And in a weird way, the kind of Croke Park show where they're revisiting the Joshua Tree is very un U2 in that they've kind of spent a lot of time trying not to look back to old albums and not become that heritage act. So it's a strange kind of week. Do we think that this is an obligation on the behalf of like, you know, Live Nation and or people who were like, well, you gotta do this gig, you gotta do that gig. Or they were just like, hey, it's been 30 years. It's a great record. Let's do it. Because you like to think that they can do whatever they want. I think if they had an album out, they would be doing a new album tour. Instead of this? Uh, I I mean, this is a guess, entirely a guess, is that they have an album penciled in. There was a tour penciled in. There's dates recorded. There's stages being built. And there's all that kind of stuff. Tickets ready to go. And what happened is if they hadn't had an album at the start of the year, then boom, this would be the new album tour. But the problem is they didn't have the album. So they've held it back until maybe after the tour. And now they're doing uh, 25 years of, of thing. That, that's what I think. I don't know if that's that makes true. Sense. Yeah, yeah, no, but that, I'm just nailed it there. Because as I said, everything is so far, has to be so far in advance planned. Sure. These, these dates were probably booked a long time ago. They've also left a couple of gaps in between that Croke Park day because I presume this will sell out instantly. No, it can't happen because they've got Croke Park of three gigs and they already have Ed Sheeran. So Ed Sheeran. Robbie East. Williams is also playing there, I believe. That was... Isn't no. he? Is Robbie that the playing? S- no, no. Hang on. No, I'm confused. Is it Robbie Williams playing Croke Park? Croke Park or the Viva? I'm pretty sure it's yeah. Croke Park. Yeah, I think it is too. And well, so, uh, well, here's the no, thing: the Coldplay. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Anyway, the thing is, there isn't enough space yeah. for an, that many more gigs. And if there, I think they, I think they might be on four already with the two Croke Park. So you know what that means? The grand return of the Residents Association. Oh yeah. But I think that's that's that is a legitimate thing. There, you know. And would they turn down? Would they? Would they turn oh down God. you too if you two went for, you know, three dates or Guys, five I dates? can't wait for summer. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be so good. I mean, like, yeah, I, like, I, I think that like this gig makes a lot of sense, though, and, and I think it will be, you know, a successful run for them. Like, I mean, well, it's, yes. it's, well, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, Going I, out on a limb there. But, no, but, I, but I feel like, for example, I mean, like, I like, hear more of these guys. I like the idea of, like, them playing, like, a 55-minute gig, but obviously they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So, so how are they going to do this? Because, like, if you want to make this it's special... the same as a lot of the kind of tours that we've seen of this type you play greatest or you play asset list on one half and then the album on the other yeah. to be fair I saw mm. a lot of criticism for it as well people say like you know they're riding that cash cow like you know and for the anniversary tour Bruce Springsteen's gigs here last year were the river tour yeah everyone's Nobody, doing it it's yeah. just because it's you two that exactly. get to stick for you yes, sure. here's the thing though I was listening to uh, uh, 
the last word last week and John Cadell was on. Uh, very so was he. And John was great. And I didn't hear anyone else talking. But John oh, made say. a lot of sense. Uh, but one thing he said was... Uh, wow, on my own podcast. That was the, amazing deadpan, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, uh, joking aside, I heard the two boys, um, John and Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave how's it going? Uh, on, and he made the point that a lot of people, if you said, oh, you two are touring a new album, people would go, oh, God, you two, blah, blah, who cares? But like, oh, they're playing, you know, the Joshua Tree, mm. people are like, oh, I'm going to that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's true. I think this is the kind, you know, credibility aside, anything like anything you want to hammer them with, this is something that a huge amount of people, like fans of the band, want to see. So it's actually, it's. I think you know, there's nothing wrong with doing like the stuff that fans really want. You know, you yeah. know, do do your own thing. Be like Bowie, make the albums you want, make do the tours you want. But also, like, it's a cool thing to play. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Another man lining up uh, his next gig is Barack Obama. A couple of days left until he's moving his shit out of the White House. <laughs> there really is. I was reading about it today. They've got six hours, six hours to get all their possessions out and get all of Trump's in. There's a six-hour window. Well, hold on. They know that. already that Trump is moving in. He's not moving in. He's staying in Trump Tower, isn't he? No, no, no. no, no his he said wife he'd and his kid is. Most of the stuff, you know, yeah. a lot of the minister's stuff is there anyway, so that will happen. Yeah, but well, you actually have to bring your personal there. stuff in that What day, happens like, if, yeah. he, if Obama doesn't get his stuff out in six hours? Trump owns it again, I think. Yeah, leaves it on the lawn. Either way, Obama has joked that he fancies being a playlist maker for Spotify. It's my dream job. Yeah, to be perfectly honest, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Obama seems to have taste. Those parties and like his inauguration gig and stuff like that, I mean, it's usually hot lineups he's got. Yeah, I mean, for a politician, he's way ahead of... I mean, you listen to, like, I don't know, some of them come out with bizarre stuff. Uh, Trump's a big Neil Young fan, I suppose. That's... He's all about soft sensuality. <laughs> he says he's a terrific guy, Neil Young. Um, but yeah, Obama, you know, he's had Kendrick to the White House, which is a great thing. He knows his music. There's also that thing that I don't know why people want politicians to be really into music because surely they should be so busy that they're not up to speed on stuff. Honestly, I don't believe for a second that Barack Obama is insanely into music and yeah. writes these super dope, you know, playlists that he spends all night with his headphones on, with his we- beats on in the back room, <laughs> working them out. I don't believe that. I you believe know that what? he has a couple of good advisors and he talks to a guy and he says... Steve, can you do me a great playlist? And Steve goes, there you go, here you go. I've thrown in All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. And he's like, I like it. (laughs) Good job, Steve. It's a great song. It is possible. Although then again, I know that Barack used to come in for awful criticism around the time of the college basketball tournament in the US because he used to go on TV and do his predictions and he knew way too much about it like to, to really be credible as not spending any time on it. Right, yeah, yeah. I think it's different with sport. I think that's one of the things like... If you have a like, if you have your favorite thing, you just can't have a favorite everything. You can't be amazing. You know, it's like what's that? What's the guy Jeremy Corbyn is on TV and they show him a picture of Anton Deck and he says, "What's the name of these two guys?" And he, he's like, "I'm sorry, I have no idea." To be fair, I saw like, grown oh, up. It's so unrelatable. I actually I saw that though, and they played a nasty trick on him because it was a selfie that, and you'd never see this. It was Deck and Ant. You know the way they always <sighs> stand in the same me. order. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah, know who they were anyway. Right? Who <laughs> like. Yeah. You'd be lost. Lost, I tell you. It's unlikely that Obama will take this position. I presume he'll have other things to do. But You'd hope. I'd take it if I was him. I'd be like, like, this would be a cool, you know, kind of... Making Spotify playlists. Yeah. That's all you do anyway. What, me? Yeah. Yeah, well... <laughs> Personally. I said it was my dream job. <laughs> like, um, Obama's <laughs> also invited on the podcast if he's getting into the whole music thing. It's well, true. We'll they say he's going to be back in Ireland next year, so yeah, why Get not? him in? Get him on the pod, Dave. Get him on for, like, you know, Songs of the Week and stuff. <laughs> sure. Why not? And speaking of Songs <laughs> of the Week, 
Might as well wrap our ears around what we've heard in the past seven days. And in fact, slightly before seven days, it was literally a couple of hours after we recorded our last show, a double whammy from the returning Ed Sheeran. So yeah, the first one you heard there, Castle on a Hill, the second shape of U2 cuts from his forthcoming album called Divide, written obviously in the mathematical symbol as tends to be his thing right now. Um, disappointed to be honest that there's been no minus or indeed brackets yet. Yeah. I thought he was following the bomb das. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's going to be square roots in a while and then there's going to be like really complicated things with like X's and... Oh yeah. You know, his, his final one is literally just going to be like sort of E equals MC squared fucking like theory of relativity. Ed shit. equals MC squared. Hey. Anyway, no. this is <laughs> what we've heard from, Thanks, uh, from that album. Uh, what do we make of them? I'm conflicted, I gotta say. I, like, I mean, like, Ed Sheeran comes out, right? And, like, I reviewed his album for Hot Press when I was there, and they didn't run it because they thought it was too harsh. And they gave it to someone else, and then their review wasn't up to, up to scratch either, so then they gave it to someone else until they finally got three out of five because you don't want to keep people happy, you know? Now, oh, really? oh, yeah. yeah. That's, so, that's, <laughs> this happened. So you're saying that... That's amazing. It's, you know, this is... I thought this was common knowledge. No, or, I didn't know Or at least, you know, you could work it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because they want, they wanted to have a good review to keep people happy. Yeah, keep the label happy. Um, make sure you know they might want to get them for a cover or something. So, yeah, keep people yeah, sweet. Yeah. That's like the Verve. Have you ever heard a story about the Verve and Q magazine? Uh, they uh, they gave him a horrible review for his first solo album, um, Richard Ashcroft, and um, he was uh, he went and did the interview. Uh, like that afternoon, and he got a copy of the the paper in the morning, and he uh, the, the magazine in the morning, and like he, the whole interview was just him like screaming abuse at Q magazine, <laughs> like, and he was like, you know, the, the the picture inside had little flames in his eyes, you know, they ran the whole thing, and they were like, I've been betrayed, and all that. so I, I can totally see. Yeah, it's a strange. I understand the need, especially if you are, you know, you you don't you don't want to ostracize people. But uh, I I will confess that you know I was kind of I was fresh out of college and I was kind of in my wanting to be Charlie Brooker mode. So I definitely kind of went for broke on it, and I was probably a bit over the top. There was one line in it actually, and I remember like I remember Craig, my buddy over here. Hey, uh, I remember saying, to, I, I remember saying, I remember being like, yeah, man, like like this was said to me, and then you're like, well, that is kind of fair because <laughs> I had a line in the review where I went, well, you know, it's 2011, so you know, a ginger kid with an acoustic guitar isn't sexy enough these days, so. Therefore, Sheeran and his management team dive headfirst into genres and styles he has no business even listening to. 
Yeah, which no business even listening to certain types of music. I was <laughs> angry. I was fresh out of college. I wanted to be Charlie Rooker. That's racist. You're in your late twenties. <laughs> late twenties or mid twenties. Jesus sorry. fucking Christ! Okay, time's gone away from me. Sorry. Yeah, um, but these songs. I was a mature student listener. Neither of them it. are good. Is what I'm going to say. Well, I, I, the reason I said I was conflicted was because I don't think that they're dreadful. No, they're competent, kind of. But like, I mean, like, like he's always been. He's just so safe. You know, he's so beige, and like, you know, you know what you're getting. But like with these two tracks, okay. First of all, uh, Castle on the Hill is just Mumford and Sons. Oh, I went even worse than Mumford and Sons. I thought it was like, remember that uh, like JCB song? Oh, by N- Niz Lobby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my dad's Bruce Lee driving along as JCB. Yeah, Dreadful. it sounds like that. It threatens to kind of jump into How to Save a Life's chorus as well. Yeah, a little, a little bit of that. of that as well. Yeah, it, it, I didn't think it was too bad. I thought it was alright. Yeah, it's fine, but it feels very derivative. As does uh, Shape of You, which sounds like Sia, the greatest. Yeah, I've can- got a little bit more time for that song. I, I've got begrudging respect for Ed Sheeran, partially because. <laughs> You know, nobody has a bad word to say about him. And I think, you know, fair play to anybody who seems to have their head screwed on mm. uh, when you're at the level that he's at. And it really does seem that he is, you know, a really genuine, nice bloke. Uh, the other reason I have respect for him is my first time really giving him a chance was actually when I was sent to see him live. I had to review his gig. And what he does. Crow Park was it? Uh, no, 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 just in Three Arena. Okay. I say just in Three just Arena. In three <laughs> but that's the whole point. You see, it's like, mm. yeah, it was stunning when he did in Three Arena where there's 14,000 people and there's just him, a guitar, and a loop pedal. Mm. I didn't go to the Crow Park one. I have, I can. I mean, I've only heard that it was a success. I don't doing know the same how thing. you can yeah. fucking yeah. do, do that, the same though. thing. It's, it's an incredible achievement. Yeah. So, like I say, I, I do have respect for him, but yeah, I mean, these put it this way: these aren't going to change anybody's mind about Ed Sheeran. It seems very much what he does, and it's got yeah. a little bit more life than the last stuff he put out. And to be fair, on that last record, which I, I didn't like, I didn't think, I, but I thought it was kind of you know just so, sub average rather than bad or anything. I mean, like there was a couple of tracks in there where like you know. <laughs> So bad for it. <laughs> There's a couple of tracks where it was like, okay, it he's, bad, it he's, so bad he's trying something. But what he's trying, unfortunately, is uh, too uh, familiar to other artists. Like, I mean, Sing with Pharrell on that last record. And yeah, then a track I think it was called Don't. They sound like Justin Timberlake cast-offs. They this sounds, sounds like, like Justin Timberlake. It does. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even, and, and, uh, what I, it's, even when he got the, he's got the you say and then the girl does the, you yeah. know, does the line or whatever. Oh, you know? It's like Senorita or something yeah, it's like, like that. Senorita, yeah. exactly. And also has a bear on at the start. Which uh, I don't oh, listen, now, this, this is an issue, right? Because in speaking about this new album, Ed Sheeran has said that there are two traditional style Irish tracks yeah. on it. The track listing includes a song called Galway, Galway Girl, Girl, and we don't know if that's a cover or an original or whatever. There's apparently another one in there. He said that he needs Kaylee dancers so that he can fi- film a video to a song that has a fiddle, a pipe, and a bower on in it. How worried are we there? How worried is Dahi? <laughs> that's what I want to know. Who'd uh, win in that fight? Look, I mean, you can have. <laughs> they merge it, together. The instruments don't make the song. It could, the, you know, I think you should all be fair. I think. You know, he. You know, I think he's. Isn't he Irish enough to be nominated for a choice? So technically, <laughs> you didn't. Uh, I, I don't think he's Irish enough. I think Apex it's a Twin was Irish enough. <laughs> he needs Katie dancers. Like, what are the what are the rules here? He could definitely play for the national team. I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. He he could be capped on the patented Kieran McGuinness rating system. It gets a three out of five. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Strong three out of five. <laughs> okay. We'll move on. Uh, I, will, I will say I I, I did not I did think Castle on the Hill was good. I thought I thought. I thought it was nice. I, did, I like it was, you know, it was sweet. I think was, no, but I think he, I think it was honest. You know, and uh, it's a, it's a great example of why he's big. I think because he can't say you know fault his honesty or whatever, and he puts himself into the lyrics. I think that's what connects yeah, with I, fans I, of his. I, I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was you know I, did, I didn't 
like a lot of songs passed me by entirely, but there's something that was connective about it. I listened, I wanted to know what the story was. I'm, I'm not saying it was the greatest song ever written. I'm, like, I'm not saying that, but I, I don't think it was absolute crap and I don't, I don't think it's sub-average. I, 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 think, I think that's, it's a, it's a good song, you know, so I'm, I'm just going to say that, okay? <laughs> cool, and we can Ed, go with I'm that. available for the next crow bracket. <laughs> <laughs> a newcomer on the scene, uh, could she possibly follow in the footsteps of Ed Sheeran? It's Zuzu. A song called What You Want. Yeah, Kate Nash flashbacks on this one for me, but what do you make of it? I think this is great. No, I must say, I actually really do like it. The one thing is that, you know, it does have that kind of like that sassy delivery and all the rest of it. And that can quickly start to get a little bit tired. Yeah, it's weird. Kate Nash came on the radio yesterday, I think, for the first time ever that I've heard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or certainly in the last 10 years. And she was dreadful. Really, really bad. Really yeah, she annoying. She was always dreadful. Yeah. This is, to me, Harsh, nothing actually, like... Actually, Kate, Kate Nash does a, a children's nursery rhyme albums called a Nursery 123. And they are... Amazing. Stunning. <laughs> okay. Well, her version of row, row, your little, row, row, your boat, row, 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 three rows. Row, 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 your boat. She does it for two. She does two. It's just row, row, your boat. She only needs She was two. always one for thinking outside the box, arcade. <laughs> but, uh, this is, this is far better to me. Um, it is kind of... I don't know, quite obvious the kind of riffs are quite, you know, recycled and stuff, but it's... That's part of the charm, though. Yeah, like it's the, kind of undeniably catchy as well. This to me He's, is like uh, a rockier yeah. version of the Pipette song Pull Shapes, which is one of the best pop songs ever written, and it's fantastic. Now, I'm not saying this is quite on the same level, but this is just really infectious, it's really fun, uh, there's a lot of attitude in the vocals, there's like a trace of a Liverpool accent kind of like, like kind of peeking through. There's just something really cool about it. I, I think it's a very fast three minutes. I was really taken by it when I heard it straight away. Actually, Richie McCormick put it up on Twitter and, you know, as I said there, when he's right, he's right. And this one he definitely was. I, I think this is a really fun way to start the year with music. Yeah, I know she's been on tour with Courtney Barnet as well, who's quite a good role model to have in this sort of stuff where, like I say, I mean, you can have that attitude and blah, blah, but you just have to have the tunes to back it up. I think that's where certain artists have fallen down, Kate Nash amongst them. Uh, hopefully it won't happen to this particular woman's easy. Uh, what do you make of it, Kate? Um, I wasn't, you know, I think it was, I, yeah. I don't know, I think this, I, like I just, I thought it was, okay, now I, <laughs> this is going to sound mean and I actually don't mean it to be mean, but I, she is what I imagine a, a record company executive who's trying to find the next big thing who's a he he, he's, mm. he met her and was like oh my god this is it you know i don't think it's 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 kind of naive in a way that is kind of is, is good but also it's just not quite I, I, like I, I don't i can't imagine putting it on i listened to it and i was like she looks like she could be really good yeah but i don't think it's necessarily good now it's certainly disposable i mean like i don't think it's you know changing the game or anything but i just thought yeah. like as kind of a radio as radio friendly pop kind of rock songs go i it ticked all the boxes that i needed it to and we haven't had a big kind of liverpool crossover act since the wombats so fingers crossed oh, they're great yeah. best band ever <laughs> when we talk oh. about radio friendly we've got a suitably edited version and in fact it's not even edited they've gone straight for it there is no explicit one uh, this is the new one from Alicia Keys with a helping hand from Kitronada. It's called Sweet F and Love. Sweet F and Love. 
So yeah, following uh, on Kieran's requests, not to curse in this new year. No, I don't. I, you could curse. <laughs> I just don't like Sweet it. Sweet F and love. Yeah. I mean, what did you make of this one? Craig. Um, it started off and I was like, this is pleasantly wobbly and I like what's you know happening with the vocal. And then the tempo kind of overruns it to the extent that I, it seemed not quite jarring, but it just didn't quite work for me, which is strange because Kate Renata usually gets it so right. Uh, in terms of what's he, what he does with vocals and mm-hmm. but there was something there was like two disparate parts that weren't quite gelling for me the way that I felt about this and I don't know if you heard this was it felt like the remix of a song rather than the actual song itself so to speak it's um, one, it, it happens sometimes in music that you I don't know what it happens in music but it sounds, sounds very Trumpian didn't it this is what happens. But People have told me. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when you listen to a song, you you can hear the producer moving the 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 you know the faders, and it's, right. it's mm. a bit like that. I feel like there's a lot of production going on. If that makes sense, that mm. sounds kind of stupid, but um, yeah, and it sounds like it sounds. It just sounds like a, a idea workout at times. It just needs to be a bit tightened. I don't know. Yeah, I liked it. All come together. I liked. I like some of the decisions that are made with the chords. Like the third chord in is is a. Is a kind of it's a funny diminished chord that shouldn't be there, and yeah. it isn't like your standard kind of. Yeah. So that was kind of like I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting, and then it kind of didn't really happen the way I thought it was going to happen. Yeah, you said remix there, Cullum. I'd actually go even even further and strip it back even further. It kind of almost sounded like stems. I was like, this doesn't sound like it's fully put together, and yeah. like it's pleasant, it's fine, but and I hate saying it, it doesn't really go anywhere because I feel that's a very reductive criticism, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Like it's just kind of there and it's forgettable. And you kind of feel like with the talent involved, you'd expect a lot more. And I didn't get it. Yeah, it sounds a bit John Legendy as well. I thought. No, I think um, John Legend. That's the thing. I was. I think uh, the only reason I disagree with you is I think John Legend is one of those guys. It's the smoothest thing, and a lot of his decisions are the are the the. I'm um, do using air quotes here. Um, <laughs> the right decisions, you right. know. So it it works. I think an artist like John Legend wouldn't put in the mad jazzy chord in the chorus. He would make sure that it's the chorus is very listenable. The yeah, other thing know. is, I yeah, I wonder if somebody good wouldn't have said to Alicia Keys, who has a great voice. Like maybe don't whisper your way through two thirds of the song. That's a bit of a departure from what you might expect, though, and, and I, uh, that's fair enough. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like you know it's kind of like a bit of ambition, even if it is restraint. But uh, yeah, it's not as enjoyable as what we're used to from her. But you know, f- fair play. <laughs> no, I think it's in- like it, it's interesting. I think I think as an artist, you should always be doing interesting stuff. So you do twenty interesting things, and one of them is stunningly incredible, and the rest are like, this is interesting, and yeah. that's okay, and that's fine, and. Yeah. Um, Shakira uh, used to review. Uh, she used to review um, singles in for a little while in like one some music magazine in, in the you know, early two thousands. But she got to a Radiohead. I think it was like a, an album. I think it might have been in, uh, Insomniac or something. that was a single, and she said, um, "I do not like this Radiohead. I like other Radiohead, but I will wait for Radiohead." And <laughs> I think that, but like the prophet Shakira is is that's you know that's what you want. You want. You want to wait for the good stuff because you believe it's going to happen because you trust that an artist is doing sure. interesting stuff, and that's sure, yeah. okay. You know, well, one man who's never been short of a few interesting things is uh, Peter Silverman. Normally, obviously, trading as the Antlers, this is now uh, under his name and his name alone. Second solo single, so to speak, it's called New York. It sounds like this. Canal with core. 
Yeah, so I mean, the Antlers were a band in the same way as Bonnie Iver is a band. It, it still really is a kind of a one-man project. Yeah. This is uh, the second single where it's going to be Peter Silberman on the album sleeve or on the record sleeve. Um, are we hearing much different, you feel? They've always had that thing where they're really good at using space and just kind of keeping things sparse. Um, and this is kind of like the full ex- fullest extent of that. I mean, it's quite minimal. Um, but for me, like, I, I, I just love him as an artist and he always kind of hits the right notes for me. I don't know. I just feel like I'm on his frequency. And that was the feeling I got from this. It was interesting after having listened to it and kind of how stripped back it is then hearing him talk about how this album came together after he had some hearing problems. He had to kind of get away from just the hustle and bustle of life and kind of get some space and he had tinnitus and stuff and really just get back into music very quietly, very softly and it kind of changes relationship with sound and you can kind of hear that in this song. It's kind of, I mean, the Antlers music at its best has been very comforting and very kind of, uh, it brings kind of great peace to the listener and this feels like he was kind of doing that to himself he was kind of medicating himself with this music he was making um, and I, I think it's it's lovely work and I can't wait for the album I pretty much agree with everything Craig just said there yeah oh, I mean one. like it, it's like there are instances of artists who kind of you know trade under their own name or trade under a different moniker and you kind of go well what's the point of this it sounds exactly the same well I wouldn't say this sounds exactly the same as the Antlers there's no real reason for him to change what he's doing I, I think you know I know Craig is a huge fan of the Antlers and through that association I've kind of gotten into them myself and they do have that power to be or he has that power I should say to just be really evocative and just really kind of pull you into this little world that he creates it is quite melancholic because that's kind of always been the order of the day but mm. there's just something really alluring about that at the same time it's very attractive and this follows exactly that pattern it's a gorgeous song yeah I, I think it's brilliant um, I never heard of the Antlers um, until they needed a drum kit and we gave them ours and <laughs> they played a gig in Dublin with the, our you know De Laurentiis across their kit so hopefully loads of people went and listened <laughs> to our music and were super disappointed <laughs> ah, that's not them but um, yeah it's, it's, it's great it's a gorgeous song and when he hits that kind of falsetto uh, I think about halfway through the song he just hits that gorgeous falsetto it's just excellent it's just yeah, beautiful Jeff Buckley was what jumped to my mind mm. when when he started hitting those notes and, and just with that sort of sparse thing it, it, it's it got a timeless feel to it um, combined with the, the first single from the album which was Karuna uh, released a couple of months ago it, it does seem to be very sparse that song was I think like eight minutes long it was a bit of an epic but frankly five and a half six minutes of it were incredibly minimal so maybe that is the the, the slight difference that's going to be there between you know him operating under his own name and the Antlers because they did have the capability to do that sort of like slightly grandiose anthemic thing and we don't seem to have heard that yet there does seem to be a reaction to the kind of okay, this is a lame term but the, the Spotify generation this thing of like bands constantly making three minute songs it like it feels like I've heard a lot more people saying they're trying to record um, in a more kind of uh, you know red light goes on. This is the take, you know, instead of like doing hundreds of versions and also having lots and lots of space on stuff and not writing songs that have to be three minutes long. I feel like a lot of bands that I uh, you know that I know or I talk to or have listened to recently seem to have you know there's longer songs and more space in them and, and mm-hmm. they came this minimal kind of thing is. Yeah, it's it's it kind of seems to be happening. I, I'm just wondering if if there's a split between the you know the Morlocks and the Eli, you know, well, like I the radio friendly and the people who want to make this really kind of you know spacious kind of music. Maybe. What I've always said is, you know, if you want to make that music either longer or more spacious or indeed <coughs> both, you need to either have like more ideas 
or stronger ideas because you know frankly if you leave space on the record that's just going to draw the attention to yeah. the little bits that you have there and if they don't stand up then you're really screwed but it didn't uh, I mean uh, um, sorry I've forgotten his name uh, Mercury Prize winner uh, James Blake James Blake's new album yeah well that's that was the exact one that we actually talked about last that's year that's a very long album it's a very long it's, it's very very full of space sorry my mm-hmm. is off <laughs> yeah no it is it yeah. it is as it absolutely is, but I, as well I, as well though, I think it's no coincidence that he's been able to do that on an album where both his vocals and his piano and like the sparse instrumentation that he does have have probably reached a new level. Hmm. I yeah, think I mean, that it if takes he tried a, it before mightn't have been yeah, as strong. It, it does take a lot of confidence not to make a racket, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It needs to, the melodies need to be great. And finally this week, uh, Slowdive are back with their first new song in 22 years. It's called Star Roving and it sounds like this. Sounds like a slow dive song. Let's talk David Bowie. Okay, it's been a year since his passing, and there's an awful lot of kind of things coming out. We have a new EP, new of sorts, and there was an excellent documentary, or was it that excellent? We'll find out now, on the BBC about a I week or two ago. But uh, let's have a quick listen to Lazarus off this No Plan EP. Look up here, I'm in heaven. I've got scars that can't be seen. I've got drama, can't be stolen Everybody knows me now Lazarus there, yeah, as heard on Black Star. Uh, these recordings kind of came out uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Now they're packaged together. Uh, does this complement Black Star? Like, like, like the last kind of recordings, at least for now. What, what do you think, Craig? Okay, well, we, we're getting f- three new tracks, or three tracks we haven't heard of before. Um, and while they're quite strong, I feel almost like because Lazarus is on this, they kind of seem tacked on. It, it seems like a kind of release from a bygone era where there would have been a single with three songs and a kind of CD single type deal. Maybe not even Bowie's prime era. Um, and even when you look at the cover of it, it's that Black Star thing, then with just Bowie's kind of imprinted on it it looks very put and pushed together and kind of slapdash um, what it sounds like to me in, in, in that sense is this is exactly why you'd have as deluxe tracks oh uh, yeah yes, very much so and it's it's very later. clear that while you know the material is, is good um, it's very clear that he's gone and he's no longer dictating how stuff is released <laughs> Sure. and we've also well, heard yeah. that there's at least maybe another five tracks from those sessions that's going to come out so yeah. we're kind of this is the start of anything that he's done get, well, getting I, released I always in. used to wonder about that because I mean I mean, I'm, I'm, we're recording our fifth album. We have tons of songs that have never done anywhere, but that's because we didn't necessarily think they were as good yeah. as the ones that did get released. I mean, as an artist, you have, you know, I don't know, David Bowie certainly did, you know, tight creative control on stuff. And, you know, generally if things aren't released, it's because there's a reason they're not released. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, 
Prince is talking about all these albums that he's written in the last 10 years. Well, the Prince isn't talking about it, but people are talking about all these albums that he ha- he made in the last 10 years that he didn't release. But, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that he wasn't releasing, you know, the, the worst stuff. He's released, releasing the stuff that was was great. So, like, yeah, that's what you do as an artist. You release mm. the best stuff that you write. So whenever it comes to a kind of a, you know, posthumous... Posthumous? Posthumous, yeah. I mean, he... he Posthumous. Wa- I, I think these were songs that he wrote for the stage play. Yes, they were indeed. And to be fair, he had talked as well about doing another stage play. Um, so, yeah, we, we don't know if he'd absolutely not planned to release them. Obviously, it wouldn't have been in this form, I'm sure. But um, but I think it works as a conversation starter. It's kind no, of like, like, like it's a perfectly fine thing to throw it a year on and be like, well, look, you know, he, let's keep him part of the conversation. Let's yeah. keep Bowie alive. Uh, and like, they're fine. They're good. Yeah. Like, like, there's nothing here that is in any way out. Like, you know, you're like, oh, I wouldn't have released that. You know, I, I think it's quite fine. Like, no plan, killing a little time. When I met you, there the three tracks along with Lazarus, and it's not going to denigrate. It's not necessarily going to like surpass anything. Sure. Like, yeah. it's 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 a perfectly fine kind of you know almost like I don't know dessert or something. Like you know, like it works. It, like it's fine for what it is. And again, I think it's more important. That it just gets people still listening to Black Star, still listening to Bowie's catalogue, and uh, the documentary that that was on the BBC the last five years, an hour and a half documentary, kind of chronicling the last five years of Bowie, but also kind of going back to other points yeah. in his career, which were very interesting. Yeah, I was going to say because you felt you know when you saw that title, you thought okay, we're going to get the big comeback, but it was kind of very clever how they just jumped back and forth and made had this kind of overarching thing where. It was almost like he had he planned his it was it was wasn't really his life story but it was like his life's work story, yeah. um, and it just showed how deliberate he was as an artist in terms of controlling how he was perceived and how his art related to his life, and yeah, I thought it was an intriguing look into him because he's always been a question mark. Yeah, and I think as well. You know, he has always been a question mark, but we sort of said that, you know, in retrospect, you can kind of see the veil drop towards the end of his career, Mm. where it's very much more personal in terms of lyrics, in terms of reflections. There was no character involved anymore, no crazy playing dress up and all the rest of it. You really did just get pure David Bowie, so to speak, whether that's a product of him getting older, you know, looking back on his life as this documentary did, it's hard to say. But certainly, yeah, there was probably more of a window into that sense of him. And so a documentary like this can only help in understanding that. Um, I, I unfortunately didn't get to watch the documentary um, because Dave sent me a link to uh, Dance Moms. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to talk about that instead. I would like to talk about Series 5 of Dance Moms, if that's okay. I'm convinced I sent you the right link. <laughs> like, how did this happen? I don't know. But um, I mean, the thing about it is, is, a lot of kids dancing nowadays is <laughs> is yeah. But no, but it's fitting tribute to the man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I actually, I've been a lot, for whatever reason. I, I, after his um, his one, well, I suppose it's for an obvious reason. But a lot of clips of things that he, you know, his thoughts on writing music and has been has been shared a lot. And this week, um, I think his name is Jerry Leonard. He was his guitarist. Yeah, he was his guitarist. Yeah, he was in. He was over for the Dublin Boy Festival, mm. and he also did a couple of talks around the place. And he's in the documentary. I'm not, I'm not sure he's in Dance Moms, but you know, it's possible. I'm talking about Dance Moms. He was in Dance. <laughs> Moms. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> but um, no, but um, it's just like some of the stuff that he came out with. The way you know his ethos on writing is so. It's just so. Um, he just nails it, you know, the way he talks about stuff. And one of the things, he did an interview about not playing to the gallery, and it's been shared. You know, Everyone on Facebook has probably seen it, um, uh, except for people, you know, who don't like David Bowie, I suppose. But um, it's just, he just talks about how, you know, you make the music that you want to make, and you, you make it for yourself, and you do your best work. And, you know, that's all, like, as an, you know, a person making albums, I'm, as I say, in the middle of making an album at the moment. So, you, like, it's funny, you're going back to things that, 
like what did David Bowie think about this? You know, yeah. it's yeah. like that. How how would how would he have done it? And he would have. You know, he would have gone, feck it, try this way, try that way, whatever. That else, is some know. of the best stuff from the documentary when you get his bands and people he played with opening up about the process and kind of being in studio with him. But just his whole ethos is fascinating because there are moments early on in his career where he's very much talking about, I want to be an icon, I want to be famous. But also, even more so, he's talking about, I want to be productive. And he's talking about, in the kind of early 70s, I'm just using rock and roll now as a vehicle to do other arty things. Yeah. Which he very much did. I mean, by the end, he's kind of had this kind of jazz thing which really liberated him and made Black Star the you know, tearing achievement it was. And he just seemed like, there's a really interesting conversation he had with the guy who designed the cover um, to the next day, which people kind of slagged off quite yeah. a bit when it first came out. Um, but he said, you know, he was, the night before it was sent off, he was just thinking, God, are we really sending this? I think, I don't know, this seems insane. David Bowie just said, have faith. It's an original idea. I think it's a good idea. And just that was his thinking. And he just, it was a really refreshing attitude. I yeah, he got into visual art and stuff as well yeah. a little later in his life. And it was from one of those, not in the documentary, but one of his colleagues in the art world uh, who he worked with a bit told that fantastic story about when he was living in New York and, and wanted to live a normal life. And so he'd take the subway and take cabs around New York, but holding a Greek newspaper. <laughs> So that anybody who goes, oh my God, that's David Bowie, will look down and go, oh no, it's just a Greek bloke who looks like David Bowie. <laughs> and apparently he got away with it. He used to just walk around New York completely he undisturbed. He did say, it was kind of like, I like, talked about in the documentary that he felt that fame was great, you know, in terms of like, you know, getting to whatever gig you want to go to and get backstage, see your friends <laughs> and getting a, a table, good table in a good restaurant. But apart from that, it was a pain in the ass. Like he <laughs> apparently hated being famous. And I mean, even like, you know, they, like at one point I was actually very, very happy as a Nine Inch Nails fan to see a snippet of that song, I'm Afraid of Americans pop up during the documentary that's yeah. a great song and the video is very very cool and actually I, I saw that it was kind of doing the rounds there's a version of Hurt where Bowie and Trent Reznor are there on stage and a very very strong version of it and you can see like at one point like Reznor can't help but smile like he's just so happy yeah. to have his hero next to him and like I mean like Re- Reznor was actually one of the people kind of like uh, when the, the tributes were coming out a year ago he told an incredibly personal story about how he had met Bowie like he'd been strung out in heroin at the time and he was so ashamed of everything that happened I think he got sick in front of him and everything and he bumped into him when he got clean uh, and it was real quick and Reznor was just so nervous didn't know what to say to him and was kind of ashamed and scared and Bowie just kind of put his hand on his, on his arm and was like no no he's like I, I knew you'd do that I, I knew you'd get clean I knew, I knew you'd be fine and he said it just it just meant the world to him. And like there's there, there's this incredible thing about Bowie in that like you know, for all of the talk about you know oh he's this you know this alien from from outer space like he seemed like a very kind of normal human being like yeah. like in, in, in the best respects. And like and when you see this documentary, everybody who talks about him has a big fucking smile on their face. They're yeah. so like just remembering him. They're celebrating the man. And like no one's kind of crying and mourning. They're just like oh my god, wasn't it amazing that, that we were in this guy's orbit for a little bit? And I thought I actually I thought the best kind of thing about the documentary I liked the most about it was that while it was revealing, you still came away from it being like I still have so many questions there's still so much I don't know and that's great because you you don't want your icons to be completely demystified but I don't um, think I I think I I, I think this has been said a lot and you know it's nearly a cliche but this thing of you know there'll never be anyone like him again mm -hmm. but I I genuinely think they're there, it's not possible for there to be another person oh, like yeah. David like to be someone who is a very talented art, artist who is pushing his boundaries the whole time but but not because every single part of your life is online it is in if you get if you get huge you get you're everywhere you know if you get that popular you're in every magazine Absolutely. your life is is not your own anymore even what we were talking about earlier with things like touring obligations you look back at his productivity during the 70s oh, and yeah. try to imagine how any oh. artist could reach any level of success right now and be allowed 
to simply lock yourself away and make like two, mm. even three albums in a 12-month period. Not going to happen. But Just did, not going to happen. There's a period from, I think, 69, I think his second album to his fifth album. I think 69 to 73. Mm. And it's like Hunky Dory and Heroes and all those kind of albums. Well, and you know what? It's like... It's insane. It, like the the quality, mm-hmm. um, the amount that he put out, and just like you know, you could listen to any of those albums, and it has this song and this song and this, and you're like, wow, that is. It's just absolutely. It's, it's actually special. the subject of another BBC documentary. Um, the one in his last five years is extremely good, but there's one on another five year period of his life, and I reckon this is the one you're talking about, where it goes from the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust, yeah, in seventy two, <clears throat> to Heroes in seventy seven, right, and in between the two of those are Aladdin Sane, Diamond Dogs, Young Americans, Station to Station, and Low. How? That's five years. Fuck right off. It's, it's <laughs> kind of Beatles level of, you know, yeah. just and the changes stylistically, as yeah. well as the quality. Well, is we're just... going through all of these in kind of, you know, fairly rapid-fire form, but Craig, you have put together a little bit of a guide for anybody who uh, maybe is not familiar with David Bowie's back catalogue, yeah, as large new as segment. it is. It's our new segment, The Listening Guide. Uh, and Bowie's like a great artist to kick it off with. Because he had 25 albums, I think 27 including Tin Machine, which you probably shouldn't include because they were a bit rubbish. Um, but it, for the most part, I mean, he wasn't one of these, you know, massive artists who spread his gold throughout, like, you know, decades and blah, blah, blah. There's If you want to dip into, like, any part of the 70s, you're going to pretty much strike gold. Um there were some duds, okay? I'm, I'm going to start off with the kind of criticism. So stuff you shouldn't really bother with in terms of David Bowie. Um, don't start at the beginning would be my thing. Yes. So don't get David Bowie or his second album, David Bowie. That's really interesting <laughs> listening back. Is his back. second album called? What's his first album? <laughs> it's da- the initial one was David Bowie and then the second one was oh, David... Bowie. No, it's David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> it's David Bowie. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I think the second one was renamed Space Oddity when it was released or re-released or something okay. like that. Um, but on that thing of just, you know, everything being online now, it's a really intriguing thing how much stylistically he changed and how now he mightn't have had that. Like, if he released those albums and then came out as Ziggy Stardust now, people wouldn't give him the benefit of the doubt, I think. You couldn't have that change. And they're quite kind of, you know, he's still stuck in the 60s. It's Ray Davies-esque. It's Sid Barrett-esque. And it's not great. So avoid that. Am I right in saying that... um Space Oddity was, you know, one of his early singles and was a total novelty song, seen as a novelty song. He did it literally because they were going to the moon and he thought, okay, I'm quids in here if I can just get a song out. And then then his next album after that, as far as I remember, wasn't it, it didn't hit. Um, I I don't have the the alphabetical thing. And then I think after that he came back and I think it was Hunky Dory, which would have been kind of the... Yeah. I'm trying to think of the song. Changes, I think, was the big one, wasn't it? it? Changes, Life on Mars was on that. Um, He had The Man Who Sold the World as well. Mm. It wasn't until... Ziggy came out after those and then okay. people went back so you've got this weird thing where if uh. Ziggy didn't take off people mightn't know ch- songs like Changes and so it's a very strange thing um, he did have a period in the 80s more or less after Let's Dance which is a great record but you should just kind of avoid everything after that in the 80s because uh, but that happened to a lot of pe- people it was the 80s you know Let's <laughs> sure. um, Dance is a me- Modern Love is the first song oh, so like, good absolutely stunning like, I um, mean China Girl maybe oh, hashtag Girl's problematic no, but it's a yeah, great co- song yeah, of course <laughs> yeah, but the, the, yeah it's it's problem in the modern yeah. world but it is a, what is it <laughs> China Girl Oh, it's just a bit. It's a bit on the edge. Shut your mouth. <laughs> like, that's what, yeah, like, it's just kind of like, Bowie, yeah. it's fine. All right, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get right? to the business end yeah. of things. We'll bleep all that out. You know, it's fine. So I reckon he had about 15 albums that were all like over 8 out of 10. Um, 
But for me, there's a, like a holy trinity of just essential albums, right? So you have to have Ziggy, I think. If you're starting off, if you haven't heard it before, listen to Ziggy. Everyone knows Ziggy Stardust anyway, I think. But get that into you. Station to Station might be my favourite. I was listening to it during the week and it's sensational. It really bridges that gap from like Young Americans to the Berlin Trilogy. And the title track alone is maybe the best thing he ever wrote. I think it's just sensational. So check that out. Low then is almost people's favourites now. I, I, like it's, it's up there, it's yeah. Become, yeah Sound and Vision. Did you ever hear the, the, the acoustic incredible. version of Sound and Vision? I haven't. No. The acoustic version of Sound and Vision, it's him and the piano, is spine tingling. I don't know what the phrase is, it, where you get like all the hairs stand up on your, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of. bump sort of thing. Like, yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So uh, that's one. And there's a great moment in the documentary where they were talking about what he was doing with Lowe and he was, was incorporating all these kind of German influences, but also he didn't want to just copy stuff. So he was like, okay, I'll get a funk band to do this. And it just becomes this strange mix. It's kind of, it's, it's an unbelievable album. Then we're into the kind of just like exceptional category. <laughs> just exceptional. Just, so Hunky Dory, it has some of his best songs. It might have his best kind of side maybe. Uh, there's a few kind of duds in there, but overall that's what you want to check out. Heroes, I mean, sensational as well. Black Star, I think, is going to be rated up there in a couple of years. I mean, already people are kind of talking about that. It's very soon. But Would you say that's because, I mean, if he, ha- I mean, without being... Kind of morbid, but you can he, say it. He, he like he died just after yeah. his release. It added. I mean, there is no cachet. Like it becomes know, like the legacy album. The, yeah, and it means the full stop. It, yeah, and the 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 meaning is you know w- w- you know a huge amount more as a result. I, I like. I think Black Star is really good. But yeah. I'm just saying. I, I I think it's. I don't know whether. It's I mean, the this best is, out, you know. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm just, I'm no, just, it's it's an interesting thing as well because as well. I mean, I mean, it's a kind of a chicken and egg question almost of you know whether it's the songs you know or, or his illness which kind of you know necessarily flowed into the other so to speak or which, when one arrived or one didn't but certainly you know it's hard to separate them at this point I think at the very least you know even growing older made him sort of face up to things that maybe he hadn't it's so inventive as well though, if like, he died sonically. just after the next day would you be saying this is good you, you know like it would have put a lot of depth in the next sure. day it would have been all the best of lists at the end of the year especially with a track like Where Are We Now on there Where Are like, We Now is a gorgeous song it's a great song but it, it would have taken on so much but, more titanic yeah. meaning but in I, the wake I, of I, I don't think we would have to the same extent I think as Dave was going to say sonically Black Star is so incredible and like it, it kind of is, it puts a shadow over the next day and likes of reality and Heaton which were all hailed at the time as oh he's kind of back to his best but they it like when you see the chances he was taking with Black Star it's a different kind of league um, so check out Black Star and then if you want to just get anything else from the 70s just do it like if you've listened to all those Diamond Dogs Aladdin Sane Lodger is great the end of the Berlin Trilogy um, Young Americans is fantastic that plastic soul thing check that out um, and yeah basically uh, unfairly overlooked I think Outside I mean his 90s output was really kind of derided but Outside is just it's a really long record but just some great songs in there so if you haven't yeah. checked it out check out Outside that's the first that's the, I, I didn't like I, I mean I'm ashamed to say it, but I, I didn't know anything about um, uh, David Bowie really um, I knew he existed and you know in the way that you know he was in that film with all the, the funny people who uh, dance magic dance but um, uh, on a, I would, we were driving up to a gig in Derry in, in I'm going to say 2008 and uh, someone gave me a, 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 a MP3 player full of uh, David Bowie and I listened to them f- for the trip and then from then on I was like what's this and going to find out that and I, ne- I could never I was never a fan of Ziggy I just didn't get into it I just thought it was I just not a fan sure. but Hunky Dory Heroes <clears throat> that kind of period absolutely like 
just love it. Just ate it all up, you know, that, that kind of period, like. Well, we hope that Craig is going to do for the listeners what that kind of MP3 <laughs> giver gave to you yeah. and uh, educate people on the brilliance of Bowie. It's never too late to get started, I suppose. Absolutely. And do check out that documentary. Um, there was actually one moment in I wanted to mention where at the end of it, Tony Visconti, his long-term producer and friend, plays you a kind of a snippet of the vocals from Black Star isolated and w- with the effects on them. And, you know, it just sounds like a new language is being uh, kind of devised by Bowie. Mm. And he's sitting there, Tony Visconti, and he's kind of got his like his big glasses on, or whatever, and he just kind of pauses it, and he's like, he's like, there he is, you know, a man at the top of his game, and we're never going to hear it again. And just for a second, you see kind of Tony Visconti, just kind of his face almost kind of pinches itself. You can just see like he's crestfallen. It's a really quiet, graceful moment for his for for his friend, for his like not his former friend, uh, and it's yeah, it's it's a lovely little moment and yeah. totally befitting of, of Bowie. But yeah, um, the listening guide is very very strong, and I think you know if you're not too familiar with Bowie or if you're a Laps fan or whatever, uh, yep, uh, I, I fully endorse this list. Yeah, he was really good at music, guys. Yeah. <laughs> to sum really up, good. he was very good at music. Uh, thank can you all. Do, can we do a Smash Mouth? Um, listening guide next. <laughs> I don't know which one to start. We'll work on. We'll work on that it's for the next, next logical art. Yeah. Uh, I actually made that exact gag this week. Someone wrote a like uh, like the, all of my Chemical Romance songs uh, ranked in order, and it was like five and a half thousand words. I read the whole thing. It was pretty good. And yeah. I was like, "Do Smash Mouth next." <laughs> Didn't reply. <laughs> so, uh, thank you all, gentlemen, for coming in, and look forward to the revisit this week, listeners. It's coming, and again, we'll mention it again. March the second, Workman's Club, No Encore Live. More details to come soon. As ever, we exit this week with some Irish tunes for you, and this time out, it's a band by the name of Devan, formerly known as the Ambience Affair. Jamie Clark and Mark Gallagher teamed up with Connor DC, who's known from Biggest Flies Again and Tomorrow's. And uh, they brought out their album Modern Knowledge. Uh, went down quite well. Another nine said it feels like one of those records that was left in the ether, biding its time until you lend it your ears. So again, we're going atmosphere here. And this song is called Shards. I quite like it. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. We'll be back next week. Well, she wonders why was never on her side And the distant signs Left us clinging to shards of time Cause I never wrote this Knowing it was free
HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details. Did you just comment? What? I responded to Josh. <laughs> While we're on air. <laughs> I was called multitasking. <laughs> no respect. You don't own me. Booking a room with two beds at a hotel isn't exactly your idea of a romantic getaway. Orbitz gets it. Visit orbits.com slash pride to find hotels that welcome you to travel as you are. Orbits, travel as you are. So just let me be myself to say and do whatever I Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.